What's up, y'all a little faith, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 16 of the Fagnostic Podcast. I'm your hostess, Nacho Moses, Matt Hayes, and if I'm still giving you episodes, it means that I'm still looking for peace in the unknown. Today's guest came to me by way of Del Shores, and y'all, well, you're just not ready for what you're not ready for. Dr. Carlton Thomas is a San Diego-based Mayo Clinic-trained gastroenterologist who became gamous on TikTok and Instagram, teaching butt stuff and queer health. He was raised Southern Baptist in South Carolina in an uber-conservative tobacco town. He is married to a wonderful man and has two kids who led him to social media during the COVID pandemic. He quickly became a great source for much-needed health information for the queer community and also for sex education that we ain't never got in school. He sounded the alarm on monkeypox on May 20th on his Instagram and has now become a central source for monkeypox education as well as testing, treatment, and vaccination. His social media has led to improved pain treatment protocols for patients suffering from monkeypox-related rectal pain, and he has helped countless men get vaccinated across North America and Europe. He's an FX Network's 2022 Pride honoree, and just this week was given the President's Award from the National Leather Association International for his work on social media. I mean, who better to learn butt stuff from than a gay man who knows his way around a butt, and that is also a medical expert. So y'all, get your G-spot ready, because it's about to get hit. Welcome to the show, Dr. Carlton. Dr. Carlton's in the house today. Thank you so much for being here. We, uh, I, I literally just came across you uh, not even a week ago. Uh, my friend Del Shores, who's been a guest on the show as well, uh, said, you have to see this guy online. Like, it's incredible. And so as soon as I started scrolling on your, your stuff, I was like, oh, my God, like, he, I, I have to speak to him. So thank you for being here. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, Del, Del started following me about a week ago or two yeah. weeks ago, and it was like, oh, man, your stuff is so great. So I'm yeah. excited to be here. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, but you sound like you're, you're calling from San Diego, right? I am. But I'm from South Carolina originally. Yeah. What part? The poor part. <laughs> I grew up in the poorest county and probably one of the poorest states in the country. Um, but yeah, on Tobacco Road in a little a little county called Dillon County. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's and look just at you now. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> now I'm now I'm in California where the. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, so let's just get right to it. Um, yeah. So you are known for butt stuff, for um, educational videos on TikTok and Instagram about how to have healthy anal sex. Um, and but you are a gastro, and I'm going to mess up the word here. <laughs> gastro into huh? Uh, gastroenterologist. Yeah, so that G, one. <laughs> G, GI doctor. Yeah. yeah that, butts um, and guts. <laughs> butts and guts. Um, I'm actually going to uh, my I just started a new job and my insurance kicks in 10-1 and it's the best insurance of my entire life um, awesome and so I w am going to be reaching out to you on, <laughs> on, on professional matters uh, sometime awesome. this fall so I look forward to you uh, getting to know my butt in my gut um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> anyway so yeah so give us the rundown of, of A who you are B what you do right. and see how the fuck you got into this notoriety of butts and guts yeah uh, crazy 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 so i am uh, dr carlton thomas i am a mayo clinic trained gastroenterologist best place in the world for what i do um i uh grew up in south carolina and i was raised southern baptist went to a tiny little church uh, uh you know every southern town has about 
45 churches and, <laughs> and, and, and three schools. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my town. We had more. Uh, and the only thing that was open on Sunday other than Walmart was, um, was church. So uh, you had a choice of Walmart or church. And so I, I grew up, you know, from the moment I was born until probably I left uh, that town from high school to go to college, I was in church every Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday, Wednesday night uh, prayer service. So I definitely have my fill of, of, of church life in the, in the deep south there. So um, I went to college, went to med school. Um, I uh, fell in love with uh, gastroenterology because it uh, it's like playing video games. And I was kind of a video gamer as a kid because there's really nothing to do in South Carolina. Um, and I uh, became really good at what I did. I when, kind of like when you say it's like mm-hmm. video games, do you mean because of the camera that goes up inside you? And so you're yeah. Okay, yeah, so basically, yeah, so basically, I'm sticking a camera in your butt and going up at around about five feet, all the way to the end of your colon, and it's kind five of a challenge. Feet? Yeah, it's 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 kind of a challenge to navigate all that, but I can do it in less than a minute as far as getting to the 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 place I need to get to because I've gotten so good at this. Um, I make my staff nervous because there's five doctors in my practice, but I'm the one who gets to where you need to get to the fastest. I pull out really slowly so that I make sure I don't miss anything, but I'm really, I'm really, I'm really developed a knack for getting where I need to get to fast. Um, so I, lo- I love when healthcare professionals like fetishize their craft. Like my absolutely. mom, she can get off on giving IVs to people. She's a nurse. Today's actually right. her. She retires today. It's her last day of nursing. Oh, that's so um, cool. But yeah, so she uh, she will like when I was younger and a little skittier, I would go to the hospital and she would just yank my arm to the nurses. About, Look at his veins. Don't you wanna, don't you just want to tap it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, my staff will be like, oh, 56 seconds. That's new record um so uh yeah so it's the one thing i want to be fast at uh anyway so (laughs) so anyway so um during the pain so i'm I'm married i have uh, two children uh my husband and i are uh uh, about to be empty nesters they're 17 they're about to go to college i actually start a road trip tomorrow to look at uh university of california schools Um, so that's why I'm off today. So I took the week off. Um, and, uh, yeah, so through them is how I found social media. So, uh, during the pandemic, I was a, I was a hot mess. I was panicking. I was anxious. I'm the breadwinner in the family and I'm 50 years old now. And I was terrified that if something happened to me, that my family would be in a mess financially. So I, um, I was very anxious. I was very hyper cautious. We had a, a, a safe room in our garage where when I would drive home, I would strip all my clothes off in the garage, yeah. throw, throw them in a plastic bag, uh, wipe myself down with, with wipes before I could even enter the house to go take a shower, take the clothes and put them in the laundry, um, take my shower. And then after 20 minutes, I could come say hello to the family. Yeah. So, so it was just a high anxiety time for me. And so one night I'm on the couch with my husband and my kids at that point were about 14 and they said they were on TikTok constantly. So I said, you know, let's check out this TikTok thing and see what it's all about. It must be must be good because if the kids are on it, that's that's cool. And I think within maybe I think I looked down at the clock, it was eight o'clock and I looked back up and it was midnight and I had 
learned uh, how to make chili. I had laughed. I had cried. And the algorithm had figured out in about 15 minutes that I was gay and I liked Harry Brown guys. Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> She knows, you know, the she algorithm knows. knows. She knows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's very targeted. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I was a lurker on TikTok for a while. And then one day I said, you know, let me make a video and see uh, what I can share to the world. You know, what do I know about? I'm a gay, gay man, you know, so I know my way around a butt, both, you know, personally and professionally. And, you know, secondly, you know, I'm a medical specialist in, in, in butts and guts. Why don't I make a video about anal sex? Um, uh, make it uh, how you know very very you know have, you have to walk a fine line on TikTok sure. to, to get it to get it. So I couldn't call it anal sex. I had to call it the event. The event. <laughs> <laughs> so I walked a lot of you know used a lot of coded language, walked a fine line, and I made this part one and part two very stuffy in a lab coat, which is not me at all. Um, of how to prepare for anal sex, how to make it better, how to make it more pleasurable, and how to make it more fun. And uh, as soon as I posted the two-part series, almost immediately, a housewife from Iowa popped up uh, in the comments and said, how dare you make an anal sex video on a children's app? And so I panicked, and I almost deleted my account. And then I said, you know what, why don't I just block her instead and see what happens? So I did. And I turned my phone off. I turned my phone back on the next day. I had 50,000 new followers in one day. Oh, and 75% of those were women. So I thought I was going to hit mainly the gay guys, you know, talk about anal. And, uh, you know, then I realized, hey, you know what, everybody's got a butt. And a lot of people are interested in butt play. And it, you know, it was a real eye opener, so to speak. Um, <laughs> not, not a brown eye opener, although I do have brown eyes. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so I did the, I, I kept doing videos and I, I grew a following and I realized after a while that I, 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 it was a big risk for me to put all my eggs in one basket and stay on TikTok because I kept getting notices about things getting taken down for ridiculous reasons. And all it takes is a few people to, yeah. to report you and you're gone. Yeah. You have no say in it. So I, uh, I, I transitioned over to Instagram and I found it much a much more um, interactive uh, way to communicate with people because it has a direct message system that allows people to talk to me. And uh, so I, I really focused on the need and, and recognizing on TikTok how much lack of sex education there was, the lack of se queer, queer sex education, anal sex education, uh, queer health information is yeah. completely lacking. None of us got taught that in school. And the ridiculousness of some of the questions that I got made me really realize how basic I needed to get when it comes to this whole oh, thing. Oh, God, yes. I had people who, were, who would say, I'm a virgin and I was, I was in a, I, I was, excuse me, I was in a, I was a virgin until I met my husband. He was a virgin until he met me. We're monogamous. Should we be on prep to prevent HIV? And I'm like, um, why would you be on prep to prevent HIV? You're not, right. you, neither one of you have HIV and you're not fucking other people. And they, and they would say, well, we just don't want to get HIV. And I'm like, you don't create HIV by having gay sex. <laughs> You know, that's the level that we're I dealing know, with out I know, there. I know. You know still, you know, after after 40 years yeah. since, the, the, since the epidemic, we still have that miseducation. Mm -hmm. 
So I, is, is, I, that a, is that a Coke Zero you're drinking? I am. I love Coke Zero. I'm, I'm a, a total addict. A GI doctor is drinking Coke Zero. This okay? We have. I have so much hope right now. <laughs> I do a lot of things that other doctors shouldn't do. <laughs> but anyway, so I um, so I started making videos about uh, vaccines gay men need or by men need um, uh, about how to get a proper STI checkup because STI checkups are done so poorly across mm-hmm. the country. Um, if you put it in your mouth, you better get a throat swab to check for gonorrhea and chlamydia. If you put it in your butt, you got to do the same thing for, for gonorrhea and chlamydia. Uh, blood test, standard blood tests and urine tests only check for blood tests checks for HIV, hepatitis C and B, um, uh, syphilis, uh, urine test usually checks for gonorrhea and chlamydia, but only if your penis is infected or your, your, your urethra is infected if you have a vagina. Um, if you put it in your butt or your throat and you're infected there, you'll never know it unless you swab there. Right. So a lot of doctors have allowed STIs in our community to absolutely go bananas because we haven't checked properly for STI checks. So I make a lot of awareness about proper STI checkups. I talk about PrEP to prevent HIV. I talk about um, HIV medication to get you to undetectable. I talk about how undetectable people cannot spread HIV. Uh, undetectable, undetectable equals untransmittable. I, I work for a surrogacy company, and, and mm-hmm. we actually have a process called sperm washing that right. allows for HIV-positive men to have biological children, which I had not even known about until I started working there. But it's like you just said, you equals you, and it's so important we get that message out there because there's still a stigma around HIV that is very hard oh. to our community. Oh, it's, it's terrible. You, you wouldn't believe the amount of, of hate and negativity people who are HIV positive get on, yep. dating, on dating apps. I'll, uh, you know, people yep. will, you know, it, people will, first of all, ask if you're clean, like having an STI or an HIV, yep. or HIV makes you dirty. I mean, yep. that's, that's wrong to begin with. Um, and and we're seeing it with monkeypox, too. We're seeing this, yeah. similar stigmas, stigmatization occur uh, with that virus. Absolutely, for sure. And we'll talk about monkeypox a little bit later. Yes, I have a lot will. to say about that. Um, so uh, when it comes to this whole idea of queer sex and butt stuff, um, I've reached around the world with this. And what it's what the most amazing thing that I never expected was people in places like Saudi Arabia or uh, Middle East uh, in general would say, Hey, I'm a gay man in Saudi Arabia. I have something going on with my butt. And if it's an STI and I go to the doctor here, there's a chance that I could be executed for having gay sex. And I'm really nervous and I'm really scared somebody's going to find out. Is there any way that you can help me? And I said, well, the only way I can help you from this far away is send me a picture, a vanishing picture of what you're talking about. I'll take a look at it and let you know what I think. And kind of guide you what to do from here. Maybe I can get you to Germany if it looks, you know, sure. really bad. And it was be just something like a hemorrhoid. I'm like, oh, that's just a hemorrhoid. You know, don't worry about that. And to be able to take the level of fear off of someone for even losing their life over having gay sex has been an amazing, unexpected uh, outcome of having oh this God, Instagram. Yes. But even the idea of, of gay sex being descriptive of butt sex, like that's kind of a misnomer too, because a, everyone's got a butt with a hole in it, potentially for sex. And right. B, uh, a lot of straight people, a lot of straight people have anal sex. I mean, I don't know a single straight man that doesn't crave his girlfriend or wife to do it in the butt. Oh, 
or oh, or, or straight man do like but, but play because that's where our spot is. Yeah, absolutely. So you know that's the, the, the you know we're made with our prostate gland a little bit inside the rectum there, and that's where our G spot is. And so any straight man who's never had that hit while they've had a blowjob or bless you know had heart. any other kind of play, bless their heart, honey. That's <laughs> that's right. Um, I didn't know what uh, uh, fireworks were until I had that happen to me the first time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it, but you know, just that, that's just an example of, of how this thing has reached across the world. And it's totally unexpected on, you know, how people could, uh, could really be that fearful for their lives to be and use a, a platform like Instagram to just kind of like let all that go and be fine. So uh, over time that 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 whole platform grew a uh, scruff app actually picked me up as a as a medical um, liaison. Oh and God. I do a lot of a lot I do a lot of videos for scruff uh, has some new stuff up today on YouTube with them. Um, they've been a fantastic partner. Um, and uh it's just been incredible the response I've received, and then lo and behold, here with uh, the monkeypox epidemic, back in um, May, May twentieth, I think I made my first video about monkeypox. I warned everybody that there was a fetish festival in Belgium called Darklands, and there were three people that were positive for monkeypox from that festival, and that International Mister Leather was happening in Chicago about 10 days later and the same people that go to that festival yeah. go to IML and I was really concerned about what might be about to happen and then this cross-pollination of, of IML and Puerto Vallarta Pride and uh, LA Pride and New York Pride and San Francisco Pride and circuit parties like Daddyland and Dallas all these places just kind of were in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah to ha have this thing just blow up to something that we've never seen before. And so when I made these videos warning people early on, I kind of kept up with it. And as soon as I saw a, a, a doctor friend of mine in Chicago get monkeypox right after IML is when I started panicking. I'm like, oh, oh shit, if he yeah. can get it, I can get it. Because I do the same things he does. Yeah, And uh, I started making paying a lot more attention to it, watching a lot of videos. And now it's gotten so big that I did a live with the deputy director of the White House monkeypox response team last week. I mean, that's crazy to me. Like, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, doing podcasts like Savage Love and, and of course, of course, agnostic, <laughs> agnostic, of course. And then, and, and uh, you know, I did What's the Safe Word that came out today on YouTube. Um, it's just, it's just incredible um, how this whole thing has exploded. Um, Monkeypox is scary. I've had, you know, I, it took, because I was such a sort of, uh, the only source of information for a lot of people about monkeypox, about how it was transmitted, you know, how you treat it. Uh, my inbox was flooded with people sure. who were positive for monkeypox. And because I care and I'm an empath, you know, it, by my nature, I, tried to do everything I could to help him. So I did a lot of research and uh, became a source of someone to talk to uh, if you have monkeypox, someone to help you get treatment, uh, someone to help help find what to do next. So it's been amazing what's happened on Instagram. I had one guy who got monkeypox was in severe rectal pain from the, from the pox lesions. And he took 
he took uh, a medication called gabapentin, which relieved his pain. And he said, hey, I just happened to have this laying around and it really took away my pain. Recommend this to other people and see what you think. So I did that. I had 50 guys in my inbox who were in severe rectal pain crying. A couple of guys, their neighbors had called 911 because they were screaming so loud they thought they were getting murdered. Oh, my God. Um, so I recommended this pain medication. And the very next day, every single person that I recommended it to said, oh, my God. My pain is down 50 to 75% from where it was. This is amazing. So I formulated all that uh, anecdotal data and sent it to the CDC. And the CDC made it part of their treatment regimen. Oh, my God. Because it's it, it was such a huge response. So it's amazing what our community has done together to come together yes. and fight this thing. There's, there's people like me on Instagram who post vaccine clinics every single day in my stories to try to get people vaccines yep. there uh, you know i teach about you know how long it takes these things to work so you you don't get a, get a vaccine and then go go off and play you have to give it time um there's people like grant roth who was in washington dc at the time who created a centralized google doc so that you could find a vaccine clinic in every county in the country uh there's a group of guys in Georgia who just went live today with a centralized Georgia vaccine site for all of Georgia. Right. There's somebody in Chicago who built one for Chicago because he was bored. He had COVID. He was in quarantine and he built the site for vaccinations, appointments and and uh, and diagnostic testing uh, for Chicago called Chicago.care. So everybody's really coming together to try to make this thing better. And it's been amazing. And I think, you know, our community is such a creative community to begin with that if you gave us um, enough time, we could probably build the Taj Mahal out of matchsticks and gum. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I do believe that if this world's to be saved, it's going to be done by queer people. Uh, because absolutely we've had to be we've gone through the ringer um, no pun intended as it relates to GI um, but while we're on monkeypox because um, mm -hmm. it, it I've been quite vocal about it as well I've been really pissed off about how it's been just pinned on our community um, without I mean yes we've had the the um, the, I guess what you would call the super spreader events, but just with the way that they have been pinned on our community in the midst of this political climate where the religious right is trying to overtake the government and, and, and take right. away our rights, um, convincing people that, that we're grooming these young kids. Yeah. It just seems like a perfect storm for a, yeah. a major upheaval of our rights. And it terrifies right. me. And people talk about me being blue MAGA uh, because of my <laughs> conspiratorial views on the subject, but I'm just scared. Like, Well, yeah, and I, and I appreciate that, uh, that viewpoint. It's really important that we destigmatize anything about uh, an infection, first of all. An infection right. is an infection. It doesn't make you a bad person. And I think the, the stigma around STIs themselves is why there's any concern about this being an STI because there's so much stigma about STIs. There shouldn't be stigma about STIs. Everybody gets Agreed. STIs. Agreed. It doesn't make you a bad person. It's just a fact of life. Um, so yes, anyone can get monkeypox, but right now it's hitting our community very hard. Over 95% yeah. of cases are in, in men who have sex with men. So while we have to work to make sure it, we take away the stigma from it, we also have to own what's happening in our community and protect each other and protect yeah. ourselves. Get vaccinated, yep. um, take a pause, alter alter sexual behavior just for a few weeks until your you know antibody levels pick up, and and then we're 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 golden again. It's just that, I, you know, I think we get too caught up in terminology 
um, the you know whether or not this is an STI or not, the my plan on how to protect our community is still the same. Mm-hmm. Vaccination, take a pause, alter sexual behavior temporarily, and let those vaccines kick in, and then we're then we're good to go again. I do understand the danger of pinning this as a as a as more of a purely LGBTQ uh, disease. It no, it is not purely anything. It is mostly uh, uh, probably sexually related right now, and I think a lot of the worry about spreading from person to person like bumping into somebody at the supermarket or mm-hmm. or or picking you know using gym equipment at the gym those cases are super rare right now it's mostly being mostly being sexually spread so i think we have to remain um vigilant about de- uh, uh, taking away stigma at the same time uh protecting ourselves and each other Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head, too, about how our community has stepped up, that we could build the Taj Mahal out of sticks. That's what I've been so proud of is that, I mean, I don't know a single gay person who's not at least made an effort to get vaccinated. Whether they've been able to is another question. And because I tried right, that's the problem right three now. Three times. Uh, first time I waited in line, I was in a line of over a thousand out in bumfuck Egypt, Los Angeles, uh, some city park that had you know no shade or awning um, yeah. for a couple hours before they pulled me out of line because a I, I wasn't on prep, b I had not had gonorrhea or chlamydia in the past year, and c I wasn't a sex worker. And so even though I right. had, had attempted to protect myself in my community i wasn't allowed to so i came back a second time right. same thing happened third time they did not ask for any proof and so they actually and, and maybe let me get your take on this being uh-huh. i refused to answer i don't i don't i just don't i just don't trust where our, our country's heading um as it relates to the religious right um mm-hmm. growing up in it like you did for so long it's just always mm-hmm. in the back of my mind of like they're on our tails um mm-hmm. and so i i just i had a, a hard time disclosing my sexual identity on a cdc form um and also whether or not i was on a on prescribed medication uh called prep i just i just don't trust it so i didn't fill that information in and they didn't make me thankfully um, yeah but it just was like I don't. I shouldn't have to prove that I'm super sexually active because it might. I. I. I mean, I'm here. Give me the fucking yeah. shot. What? What are you right, talking exactly. about? Well, you know, there's such a limited available uh, availability of vaccines, as you pointed out. Um, you know, especially early on, man. There was yeah. only there was only tens of thousands of doses available for the entire country, and it was so, And it's a two shot series. Yeah. So you yeah. know, cut that in half. So it it became really scary there for a while. And they're like, okay, we need to prioritize the people who are most at risk of getting this right now. So we need to prioritize people who are sex workers because they are most at risk. People who are on prep because that demonstrates a behavior. um, And this is not judgmental at all because I'm on prep. So I'm, you know, it it demonstrates a, a tendency to engage in behavior that may transmit this virus. Um, you know, so, uh, people are people who are going to sex parties or people who are going to circuit parties. Those were high, deemed high risk events. So does that not seem like mm-hmm. it, it penalizes the people who are taking the compromised choices to alter their sexual lifestyle for a few weeks? Well, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying there. But when there's no availability of vaccine, that what right. they're trying to do is 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 draw a big enough ring around the people who are most sure. at risk to prevent this from getting worse. Sure. So that that's where all that came from, and it is it's really frustrating for me. I mean, I have a woman in San Diego who is a provider for 
mostly LGBTQ um, uh, people, and she's she's seen three or four cases of monkeypox in her clinic. And she's like, you know what? I probably should get vaccinated. So she went and stood in line at the local uh, vaccine clinic. And they're like, you're not a man who has sex with men. Fuck off. Yeah. So <laughs> so it's it's really frustrating, the whole thing. The, the lack of availability, um, the very randomness of who gets how many vaccines wherever they are avail- available. Um, some places giving one shot only period and some people some places giving two shots um it raises a lot of anger in places where people haven't been able to even get their first shot yet how are people getting second shots so uh there's got to be more vaccine availability there's got to be more access uh there's got to be a lot there's got to be a lot of data collection we don't even know what pisses me off more than anything about this whole thing is we have over 30,000 people in the world who have been uh, infected with monkeypox. We have over 12,000 at least right now. This is probably way higher at, at this podcast airing, but so over 12,000 in America who've, who've gotten it. Where are the antibody levels? What, you know, yeah. What, you know, what, you know, all hundreds of thousands of people vaccinated. We don't know where the antibody level, you know, two weeks after shot one, how, where are your antibodies? Three weeks, four weeks, two weeks after shot two. You know, if you've been infected, where are your antibody levels? Does that protect you against getting reinfected? Nobody has data. And, it, you know, it, it's ridiculous. What does and that co- fall on? Is that the government? The CDC? Well, it falls on. Yeah. I mean, centrally, I think that's that's where the uh, that that's something that we really need to pick up on. You know, a lot of a lot of times during like, you know, during COVID, we had so many studies and so much stuff happening so fast and yeah. everything was ramped up with the national uh, machinery to, to wartime machinery to make things happen. And it just seems like things aren't really happening like that because it's just us. You I was going to say, is it because we're the queer community? You know, and I mean, thank God we have a democratic yeah. um, executive in, in house right now, because if it wasn't for that, then it would probably be even worse than it is already. Yeah, but absolutely. still, still, still the response. And, you know, we've got a great deputy director, the response who's gay and who's working his ass off. What's his name? But there's only so uh, uh, Dimitri, Dr. Dimitri. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's the fa- he's fantastic, but he, he can only do yeah. what one man can do. You know, he, he's he, he's got to deal with what he's given. So he's fighting very hard, working very hard. But and then taking a lot of flack from from people because not enough is happening fast enough but there's got to be a better answer to making this all go faster to get people vaccinated um there's a lot of uh, backlash against people like me who are who are promoting vaccination and pause until you can get vaccinated because some members of our community feel it's homophobic and it's it's not realistic to ask gay people not to have sex but for me, I, I think the most sex positive thing you can do as a sex positive person like me is to teach people how to look out for their sexual health. Thank you. And the health and the health of the community. So all while, I hear is while, the voices of our of our ancestors, our, our gay fathers from the eighties being like me too. pay attention to history, you motherfuckers. You right. can end, you can end this right now. Right. My hero is Larry Kramer. And he took he took the same amount of shit over HIV. Yep. Uh, way way more shit than I am taking right now. Um, 
so it feels really ominous and eerie to be kind of walking in his footsteps 40 years later with a different illness that's not deadly but it's very serious. Yeah. So, you know, we have to, and we have to talk about how serious this is. So when you get monkeypox, you feel like shit. Um, you you have a flu-like syndrome. You have uh, fevers and chills and body aches and night sweats. And you don't feel like eating. You develop this rash. And depending on where you get this rash, it can be incredibly painful. So if you bottom generally, and the lesions occur from bottoming, those lesions in your ass are so painful that, like I said, people are calling 911 because they think their neighbors are getting murdered next door. Um, urethral pa- uh, lesions the same way, throat, bad tonsillitis from, from oral. Um, those lesions are so incredibly disruptive and painful. Um, and then to try to get the one medication that's available, the antiviral medication, TPOX or Tecoviramat, it's almost impossible um, it's getting better now to get it. I had a guy today who was able to get it in San Francisco and he was thrilled that he was just able to walk into the San Francisco clinic and pick it up because it's been a nightmare for most people to try to get that medication oh because God. it's part of the national stockpile against smallpox in right. case there was a chemical or a biological uh, warfare. Uh, and it's, and it's an experimental medication. It's not something you can go to Walgreens and pick up. Um, so, you know, th- that availability has got to be broader. Um, there's just so much going on, uh, and, and this lack of data, not knowing where we are with our antibody levels, not knowing if one shot's good enough, if two shots are good enough. They've actually recently changed the way we give the shot from a, from a, a, a 0.5 milliliter subcutaneous injection to a 0.1 milliliter uh, intradermal injection, kind of like a PPD, um, because we can stretch out the vaccine five times more than previous. That being said... That? It's based on one study. It's a small study. It's a it's it's got good results, but it's one study, and it's only like 150 people. So, right now we're in, a, in an emergency situation where we have to get as many people vaccinated as possible, even if it gives everybody some antibody protection. Mm-hmm. I think it's where we need to be until we can figure what the fuck is going on with the antibody levels in people. We need more studies. We need a lot more data to figure out what's happening because without data, we can't provide any guidance. People are asking me. Okay, Dr. Carlton, um, I got my shot two weeks ago. Can I have sex now? You know, what, what, what's my risk? And I'm using old data from like 2009 and 2019 combined in two tiny little studies with less than a thousand people combined to tell people a good, better, best scenario. So about two weeks after your first shot, you have pretty good antibody formation. But I've had people contact me online saying I got vaccinated two weeks ago. Yep. Um, had sex and got infected. Yep. I have one guy who, and then at three to four weeks, you have pr- you have even better antibody protection. But I have one guy who got a shot three and a half weeks before he went to Dory Alley. He got infected at Dory Alley. Um, is that also dependent upon somebody else's viral load who's carrying it? It probably is. It probably is. You know, that, that definitely the more virus present, the more mm-hmm. likely to, to pass it. And maybe even also the method that it's transmitted. I mean, this guy had receptive anal sex, mm-hmm. and that's probably the highest risk right now. Is and just receptive. so our, for our listeners who maybe are not uh, active mm-hmm. in anal sex, that would mean he was bottoming. Yeah. So he, okay. he yeah he was yeah he was te- he was on the bottom. Yeah. Okay. So can anyway, you, can you give us three t- three um, instructions to our community of how to thwart this? Okay. Number one, get vaccinated. Give your antibodies time to work. 
Um, two weeks after your second shot is what we think is the most uh, antibody production that you can have. And it covers about 98% of, of what we think based on old data. Again, old data. Um, you know, get, so, so get, get vaccinated and give your antibodies time to, to build up and work. Number two, alter your sexual practices if you have any risky ones like right. random hookups or bathhouses or orgies, sex parties. Um, minimize that kind of thing and try to stick with a trusted pod of guys right. that you're going to play with that won't stray out of the pod that have been also been vaccinated even maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, masturbation uh facetime phone sex voyeurism um there's a lot of things you can do and just in this temporary small amount of time just to wait till your antibody levels pick back up yeah uh to to pass the time to decrease your high risk of infection and you know you know thirdly is encourage other people to get vaccinated in our community and encourage other people to make the same behavior modifications yeah. just in the temporary so that, those are the three things that i think are most important we have to support each other through this um we have to be inventive together uh, yeah. uh, about it um i think i don't want to see a gaze over covid uh situation where gay people are infighting over uh, how we are acting during monkeypox I want this to be a positive experience where people up, uplift each other and not judge each other based on what they're seeing on the internet. Because some people that they they see on the internet that are out and about doing things, they may have already gotten two shots. Yeah, yeah. So they've already pretty much done everything they can do. Um, yeah, sure. People are always going to be make bad decisions, but my job is to provide people with the information they need to be a, a, as safe as possible to get through this. And then it's up to them to make the, the choice and the decision to do what they will with it. I'm getting a lot of backlash for uh, for what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is from a sex positive position out of love. Yep. I don't want to see people suffering and crying. And, I, you know, the videos of people that sent that people sent me of them crying and screaming on the toilet or they're through the door. Their partner was on the other side of the door and they just videoed the screaming so that I could know what was going on. Are the pictures of the buttholes that are absolutely ravaged with with lesions or the penises that have big pockmark indentations in them you know after seeing all this stuff i don't think i ever want to have sex again i mean it's it is it is bad stuff yeah so we really need to give this time this stuff time to cool off and settle down get people vaccinated i saw today that britain is starting to see a downturn yeah so that, that gives too. me a little bit of hope that gives me a little a little hope that things may be starting to head in the right direction. Well, let's but, let's switch you know, back to the fun stuff. Um, once it, yeah. uh, once once it cools off and we we do get back to our um, our, our liberated sexual lifestyles after our pause and our um, our behavior modifications and our vaccinations and our encouraging of friends to do the same. Um, tell someone who's never had butt sex how to have butt sex. Oh, okay. Well, this is a good question. Uh, um, so the, I think the, the most important thing when it comes to anal sex is to realize also, that- Also, y'all can't see it, but Asu just described that he was holding up two fingers as if he was trying to- to, <laughs> to <laughs> <laughs> Let me think for a minute. <laughs> With one finger at a time, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the first most important thing when it comes to anal sex is making sure that you're ready for it. Because if you have uh, a chamber that's full of poop back there, it might not be a very comfortable experience for you or the person who's topping you. Yep. So 
it's, you know, I tell people fiber is the most important thing that you can do on a daily basis to try to keep things regular. Fiber sweeps out all the residue. So it makes a cleanup before anal sex incredibly faster and much easier. Um, uh, use a little water, lukewarm water in a, in a bulb syringe or an enema bulb, or there's all kinds of ways you can deliver uh, water up in there. Just, you, remember, you're only cleaning out the last eight inches, so you don't need to get crazy with tons and tons and tons of water up your butt because that can make things messier over time. So right. you get things kind of clean up. So you, you squirt it up there, hold it, release, squirt it up there, hold it, release until the water comes out clear. And one of my one of my recent followers actually told me a, he's a power bottom on Twitter said that, you know, his secret to making sure he's ready to go is he takes a dildo, lubricates it really, really well, slides it in and then pulls it back out. And if it's clear, he's ready. good to go. Yeah. And if it's not clear, he's got a little bit more work to do. And it actually serves three great purposes. One is the, the confidence aspect of making sure you're ready. Number two uh is number two lubricating your your hole yeah no number two is lubricating your hole no number two probably should have been number one after what right. we're talking about um but but uh lubricating your hole because it, you know after cleaning out you dry everything out back there you you, you sweep away your uh, some of your natural mucus back there so you want to get plenty of lube up in there and number three you open things up a little bit so that you're ready to to receive uh what's about to go in there so once you're cleaned out I, I also have a special trick that I teach people on uh, anal sex to make them open up and relax for anal. It's called the butt clock. I have to patent that. I still haven't done that. But it's a if you think of your hole as a circle, like a clock, if you gently slide your finger in firmly and press over to 3 o'clock or 9 o'clock or down to 6 o'clock or up at 12 o'clock and hold it for about 15 to 30 seconds, that tiny little circle starts opening up. It's like a key to a lock. So you go over to the next spot, do the same thing. It opens up a little bit more. And so what happens is direct stimulation on that internal anal sphincter makes your hole open up. Huh. And it has revolutionized anal sex for thousands of people because I get the comments in my in my DMs all the time. Hey, oh, my God, I can't believe how much better my sex life is because of you. Thank you. So, um, yeah, so that's one thing you can do. Uh, other people use a progressively wider dildo if they get a mm -hmm. dildo with a small head and it gets wider down the shaft and you as you gently slide it in things open up a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more so getting getting ready is the most important part of of and opening up and that can be part of your foreplay yeah. the butt clock thing as as can the dildo thing um the number one thing that you don't want to do as a bottom is tear your hole yep because an anal fissure or tear of the lining of your butthole is incredibly painful. It can put you out of commission back there for a couple of months, even years, even require surgery. So being careful to warm yourself up or warm your partner up is very, very key when it comes to anal sex. So we're talking lubrication, the butt clock technique that I talked about, dildo usage, gently starting when you stick it in there. You know, I, I'd recommend for bottoms to start on top because that way they control how fast things go inside them and how deeply they go inside them until they're ready for those first couple of minutes. Those first couple of minutes can be kind of harrowing depending on what you're taking back there. I mean, you yeah. got a guy with a big dick. It's it's not easy. Yeah. So so by giving your yourself time to open up and relax, then you can kind of enjoy 
whatever position you want to want to get in. So lubrication, breathing, the butt clock technique to open up, um, you know, all important things to make anal sex a much better proposition. And another thing that people should recognize as well is your partner's penis and your butt may have different curves. So if you don't feel really comfortable in a certain position, flip over or turn to the side. There's a lot of, there's a, you know, a whole, there's a whole, exactly. Communication is key. If you're not enjoying it, let them know so that you can, or, and if you're the top and you see the bottom's not enjoying it, communicate and talk yeah. about switching things up. Cause you want to, you want, you want it to be a pleasurable, enjoyable experience. So talking about that G spot that we were talking about earlier or the P spot, the P spot is the prostate gland for those who have one. So if your partner is bent over in front of you and facing away from you, if you slide your finger in a couple of inches or four to five centimeters, if you're in Europe or Canada, um, and press down at six o'clock, that's where the prostate gland is. If they're bent over and facing away from you, if you're looking at them and they're, you know, they're facing you and they're on their back, it's up at 12 o'clock. So kind of a come hither motion. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where the, the prostate gland is. Um, simultaneous stimulation of that area while you're given a blowjob will send somebody to, to have the moon. Yeah. Over, over the moon. moon. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing that a lot of people don't know about. That's where it is. Um, and reapply the lube, reapply the lube, reapply the lube, be generous with lube. I like silicone lube. It's a little bit messy. Put a towel down so that you don't get it all over your sheets. What's your if lube you do, of choice? I like gun oil, Same. but I, but, and I actually have an offer code through them called it's a T H E D O C the doc and it's 30% off of, of gun oil. I, that's I, it's fucking what's significant. That's 30. Yeah. That's huge. But, yeah. So yeah, I, I, it's my favorite loot brand. And when they asked me to be on their team to teach some anal sex stuff, I, I was so floored. I was like, I can't believe it. I've been buying this loot for 15 years and suddenly I'm, uh, you know, Sponsoring I'm working it. with them. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. So anyway, so yeah, so I like gun oil and, uh, and the gun oil story is really awesome. The guy who invented the company or started the company was a Marine out in the desert in um, desert storm. That's high. And, and, and he basically developed, they built jack shacks so guys could go and jack off. And, and what they did to jack off, they, they needed lube. So they used the, the oil from their gun, the dimethicone oil. And uh, that's what gun oil is, is dimethicone oil. And so they used that. They would go in there and jack off and then come back out and be the next guy's turn. So uh, that's where gun oil comes from. So I thought that was a hot story. Yes, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so that maybe even want uh, uh, to be part of their team even more. Um, yeah. So, uh, it's just, I, I love silicone oil, uh, silicone lube. It's it's latex safe if you do use condoms. It can be messy. The trick that my husband taught me is take some Dawn dishwashing yeah. uh, detergent, and that gets it off uh, your skin or yeah. it gets it off your your sheets. Just make sure that you uh, moisturize your skin after that because you know that kind of uh, stuff can can strip away the, the the good stuff on your skin when you use Dawn dishwashing. I find that uh, face wash has a similar uh, mm -hmm. result as well in, in getting off my dick and stuff. Yeah. Um, how safe is eating ass? Well, eating ass is safe as long as it's clean and as long as the person that you're eating is not infected. So um, start off in the shower. A good shower can kind of rinse away everything that that's that's high risk. 
talk to your partner. If they're having problems with uh, a lot of gas and diarrhea, that might be a sign of infection. So don't do it if that's the case. Um, I could be down there all day. I love that. Mm -hmm. that that's one of my favorite things. And actually, I, <laughs> another funny company story is I work. Uh, I, I did. Uh, one of my friends owns a, uh, a skincare company. and He developed a flavored butt scrub called Tasty Hole. <laughs> and as a joke, I did a commercial for him and it got like over 100,000 views. So it comes in uh, peach ring and uh, glazed donut hole and uh, cherry gobbler. And what oh, you do is you, you scrub your butt with it and it leaves, it leaves a little taste back there. And so I say, if, you, if, you, if your partner doesn't like the original recipe, <laughs> you, you can try a tasty hole. Make your hole a tasty hole, you know? <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so that's another way you can, if, if you're kind of nervous about taste or, or you're kind of freaked out about that kind of stuff, that's one way to kind of make it more pleasurable for the, um, for the giver. Mm -hmm. um yeah but it's it, it's an incredibly intense sensation a lot of guys who get their ass eaten really love it um that plus si simultaneous penile stimulation so like jerking off while you're getting your ass eaten oh my god incredible yep. or just going back and forth between eating ass and sucking dick huge response to that um yep. from people who are who are receptive so yeah so the infections that we worry about, number one, Giardia. Giardia is a common infection that can happen in our community, but it's usually in someone who's very, very pr pronounced with symptoms like diarrhea and, and bloating and bad gas. Um, uh, hepatitis A is another one, but hepatitis A, most people are vaccinated against because that was part of a lot of our vaccine requirements to get in college and right. high school and everything else. Uh, make sure your hepatitis A and B antibodies are up to date, by the way, guys, that's important. Um, and, um, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. I love it. I love to do it and, uh, highly endorse it. Great. Shigella and Shigella is another infection that can happen. But like I say, as long as you really clean things out, clean things off in the shower back there, it should be pretty safe. Okay. Well, what foods do people who want to receive anal sex need to avoid? Anything that triggers them. So, and that's different for everybody. Everybody's GI tract is different. A lot of people say they have problems with dairy products. It causes diarrhea, gas, bloating. That's kind of hard. Super gassy foods might be a, an issue. There's a guy who's who's got a great dietary uh, channel on Instagram and TikTok called The Bottoms Digest. And he actually makes recipes that are bottom friendly. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, it's really good actually. He's 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 really a bright guy. He's put a lot of time and effort into being a chef for bottoms. Yeah. So, uh I on my I feel like the older you get, the more like in touch with your your gut that you have to become because that's where a mm -hmm. lot of um, you know, ailments can come from and just and also just daily discomfort, right? Right. Um, but it's also one of the things that we just because it's shitting is a, such a taboo subject, we just kind of like either ignore it or like, you know, whatever. Um, how do you uh, approach the topic of, of, of the candor around GI with somebody who's uncomfortable? I mean, uncomfortable with it? Does it make sense? Yeah, one of the first things I do when I go in and see a patient and, and I can see they're hesitant and they're worried or they don't want to talk about it, I immediately say, hey, I talk about this all day long. You know, you have nothing to worry about. You can say anything to me. I'm not going to judge you. 
I'm here to learn from you so that I can help you. Yeah. So I'm, I, I go in and I make that the first statement that I make to people so that they they get a comfort level with me. If I know it's a, if I can figure out it's a gay patient or a trans patient, the first thing I do is say, Hey, I'm a gay man too. Yeah. I know how this is. I know how important this is. Or if it's a trans patient, I, I, I express support for them because they are so, um, uh, neglected and um, discriminated against in the medical community that I make sure the first thing that they know is they're going to be safe with me. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, so just as a, as a final callback, with mm-hmm. you growing up in the South, you know, a Southern Baptist, with you being so vocally authentic and honest about gay sex, Mm-hmm. How did did you lose friends and family? Do you do you still subscribe to a faith system? You know, uh, I was devoutly Southern Baptist until I went to college, and even in college. And then, as I went through college and med school, I kind of uh, I realized that there were other ways to believe. I did a year abroad in England and lived with some Orthodox Jews and some atheists and some agnostics and some. Um, people of uh, uh, of different kinds of faiths, and realize, hey, there's there's more than one way to believe things. There, you know, there's more. You know, th- my way might not be the only way that's right. You know, right. so that opened up a door of skepticism. And then when I got when I got to medical school, I think my faith really dropped off big time because I saw so much suffering and so much death and so much. Um, so many nice people who were good people who had horrible things happen to them that it made me just lose lose faith that plus being discriminated against in the south as a gay person especially in my church made me not want to be part of it anymore so the that kind of drove me away from the church um ironically my kids were my, my my kids were raised jewish my former partner who I had um, the kids with uh, was Jewish and we raised our kids Jewish and it didn't bother me at all because number one, I didn't really, I'm, I'm an atheist. I don't really care. And I think that, but I do think that having a faith-based system is good for people. Sure. It brings them out of, uh, it gets people through hard times. Yeah. You know, I've seen a lot of people who, if they, you know, my mother in particular, when my father died, if she didn't have her faith, she yeah. probably wouldn't have made it through that. Agreed. So I I don't fault people for having faith, and I don't criticize or or, or um, belittle people for having faith. I think that's great, as long as you don't use your faith to damage me in any way or or cause harm in me. Um, then I'm all for you. Yeah. Um, so so it's kind of funny though. Even my own kid, my son, when he was going through Hebrew school. The first day out of Hebrew school, he came, he came to the car and he said, Dad, you're never going to believe this. They told us that there was this guy and he parted a sea. How ridiculous is that? And I thought, oh, my God, I was fed this story as a child and was just told to believe it and forced to believe it. And here's this kid who's already skeptical at five years old of the validity of this story from, from the Torah or the Bible. And I just, I just thought that was hysterical, you know? Um, but they're I also didn't see- taught, they're taught to question things and challenge in the Jewish faith. That's why I love, yeah. I love the Jewish faith so much because it is like, you can scream at God. You can, you know, <laughs> call, call bullshit on the Torah, you know? Yeah. I, and I think, I think it was, the, it's it, honestly through their bar and bat mitzvah process. It was the most welcoming 
group of people that I've ever been around in a in a religious setting. Mm-hmm. So I always felt at ease when I was in the synagogue. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, I'm not Jewish. My kids are. Um, they're done with all that stuff now, though, and they're even they've even kind of left it behind. What a good time to be alive. I cannot imagine growing up without the trauma of church. I know, right? Like, like where, where, where would I be in life now had I not, or ha- have I not worked so hard to deconstruct faith systems? That's incredible. I remember being in church as a, uh, as a seven-year-old and, and just being so afraid I was going to burn in hell that I, I didn't know what to do. And I just ran up to the front of the church and asked to be baptized so I wouldn't burn in, in the fires of hell. So yep. that kind of fear and negativity is just not constructive for kids no and I, I something else too that we can i guess we can kind of cap with this part of the way that i experience the, the divine now is through sex through man-to-man sex for someone else mm-hmm. it could be heterosexual sex but there is nothing like that connection between two or more beings um mm-hmm. where you know there is <laughs> orgasm happening that to me I mean, I remember I used to have, uh, you know, before I really fully deconstructed, I would have sex and there would be guilt after coming. And mm-hmm. now it is almost like it elevates me closer to the divine because that that uh, euphoric, cosmic, heavenly feeling. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. There's nothing more, more spiritual than the connection that happens during sex. Yeah, absolutely. If the divine were standing before you today, what would you say? And without, and I don't mean offering to check his colon, but, or (laughs) I would say, um, you know, I'm really angry at myself for fearing you for so long that it altered my life for probably the first 35 years. And it made me not want to come out to my family and not want to come out to my friends because um, I was afraid of you. Yes. Leave that shit in their court. Love that. Uh, we'll end on that. Dr. Carlton, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm thank serious you. about uh, come 10-1, you'll be hearing from me. <laughs> when, when that, when <laughs> that, sounds good. When that Blue Cross California kicks in, I, like All every right. day I'm going to be like, what ailment can I get today? I'm so excited <laughs> to get sick. <laughs> I know. It's, it's Yeah. And I took this week off to take my kids on this, on this uh, little uh, road trip. And I actually went to the doctor today because it's like the only chance I had to go. Oh, so, my God. Yeah. Well, I hope you'll have a fabulous time, and thank you for what you're doing. I mean, for, to normalize something that is still so taboo, even in our own community. Uh, I just think you're doing wonders for for uh, sex positivity, body positivity, health positivity, uh, and, and I just appreciate it so much, genuinely. Um, no, thank you so much. Be, right. It's great to be here. We'll talk soon, okay? All right, you bet. And all the people said, gay men. Y'all, thanks for listening to another episode of the Fagnostic Podcast, hosted by me, Matt Hayes. Now, I want you to go check out our brand new site, fagnostic.com, and see what we're doing with the brand. I'm developing an online resource center for LGBTQ people looking to overcome or contribute to overcoming religious trauma. The podcast is now part of the greater Fagnostic network of resources, the book club, the playlist, the blog, the merch, the news articles, the artists, and so much more. So if you know any queer or queer-friendly doctors, lawyers, specialists, preachers, volunteer opportunities, mentors, or anyone else that might be of service to a queer person escaping religion, send them my way. 
you can reach me at info at fagnostic.com. Now, please go subscribe, review, and share this podcast. And in the meantime, y'all have a blessed day and peace be with all y'all. Hi, Michael Spicer here. Matt Hayes forgot to put my name in the credits of his podcast as the composer, but I'm here to tell you that I wrote the music for his podcast. Whatever the f- it's called, I don't know.